As Sri Lankan President Ranil Vikramasinghe announces an all-clear for the IMF loan package, is the island now out of the deep on its debt crisis? And has India's support tilted the balance away from China? India had really come to our rescue. India had provided us a lifeline which allowed us to stay afloat uh, during a very difficult time. We will also be joined by the Hindus Meera Srinivasan shortly on the show. Hello and welcome to Worldview at the Hindu with me, Sohasini Heather. This is episode 99, yes, just a week away from number 100. Now, after a month of bad news, Sri Lankan President Ranil Vikramasinghe announced in Parliament this week that Sri Lanka has cleared the last of its hurdles uh, to being approved for a $2.9 billion bailout from the International Monetary Fund or the IMF. Uh, while a final decision is expected to be announced during the IMF spring session and a first tranche, in fact, is expected within the next month, the news is expected to boost creditor confidence in the country that has been reeling from the COVID crisis, economic mismanagement by previous regimes of the Rajapakses and before that the Sirisena regime, and mounting debts. And we're going to take a closer look at all of those but just take a look at the situation Sri Lanka has come through over the past few years. One, the political turmoil that we saw with the quick rapid exits of Prime Minister Mahinda and then President Godabaya's uh, sudden exit. In fact, he left the country for a brief point. There was a tense standoff there with the military and police and protesters as soaring inflation hit the common man. Nearly 80% inflation, consumer price inflation, uh, really in September last year. GDP exports collapsed um, and they went down to nearly negative 12% in the third quarter of 2022. So the GDP slump, remittances went down, exports uh, and manufacturing, everything else. Currency collapse, the rupee of uh, Sri Lanka really went down, plummeting over a period of a few months. It went from about 220 to 365 rupees per dollar. That has stabilized a little bit, a total debt by April 2020. And this was the biggest thing. The, the total debt of Sri Lanka that we saw was $35 billion. This included, and you can see on that pie chart there, multilateral borrowing, bilateral borrowing, the big one, China, about $5 billion there, as well as open market borrowings as well. And then we saw the impact of the India-China rivalry, uh, including, of course, last year with that Hambantota ship incident where India came out publicly and said it did not want that ship to dock in Sri Lanka. Eventually, the ship docked, but India and Sri Lanka have gone a long way since then on their ties. India's support at this time actually is a combined $4 billion, but it came over different areas. One was the shipment of grain, of fuel, of essentials like milk powder, of medicines. Uh, India also gave Sri Lanka credit lines and currency swaps, a debt repayment relief uh, through the Asian Clearing Union, support at the IMF. This was important to work on that bailout package. And in contrast to China, India's support came unconditionally, more promptly, in fact, just when it was asked for. While India provided written assurances as required by the IMF more than a month ago, China's assurances had actually held up the process they finally came through this week. And finally, India has been giving Sri Lanka multilateral support at the G20, uh, as well as the B BIMSTEC and other regional organizations with the idea of bringing Sri Lanka's debt indebtedness 
uh, as a real chronic problem in the developing world and how to deal with it. So earlier I sat down with Sri Lankan Foreign Minister NUM Ali Sabri. Uh, he was earlier the finance minister, in fact, he was visiting Delhi. Uh, and I spoke to him for an interview and began by asking him just how tough this year has been and what India's support meant. Listen in. Now, India, we have had uh, very good discussions during the last two years or so. Of course, we have been traditionally very good friends. But during the last year or so, India had really come to our rescue. India had provided us a lifeline which allowed us to stay afloat uh, during a very difficult time. Results could be slowly seen now. Inflation is down. Rupee has stabilized. More tourists are coming back and more uh, remittances are coming on. So we are not out of the wood, but stabilized it. Right now, what we are looking at, the recovery and the growth. For that, we need investment. So right now, what we are interested with India, so how to collaborate and how to integrate with the Indian economy, particularly in the south and all those things in terms of investment, people-to-people -people connection, more tourists to coming in, so that's the kind of thing, it's a win-win it's a situation for all. I also asked him what the IMF bailout that seems to be clear now would actually mean for Sri Lanka. Um, what we want is IMF is with the moment IMF comes in, uh, it brings a lot of uh, credit worthiness to the entire system and confidence. It's not the IMF 2.9 billion per se, even out in two to three years time make a huge difference. But the fact that IMF is engaged, IMF is... Uh, we are under the counseling of IMF means there is a lot of lot of sense of confidence. Confidence comes back to the situation. So there is a lot of other agencies like World Bank, AIIB, ADB uh, have lined up uh, a lot of funds to come in, and uh, institutes like um, the Chaika Japanese uh, agency is there. So IMF is very very central for us to get the the the, the confidence back on track, and then probably if we have Thereafter, if you have a, a good, understandable um, debt restructuring session, then our debt becomes more sustainable. And with that, we will probably have access to the capital market once again. That's the plan. So that will, now we have stabilized the economy. We have prevented a catastrophic drive with some other countries have seen. We have managed, uh, uh, I think, uh, inflation pretty well. 95% to the 50%. Uh, so that's a good achievement comparatively what we were in last year. But the growth to take place and recovery to take place, uh, confidence need to build. And for that, IMF bailout is very, very central for us. So while the IMF bailout may not seem like a lot given its $35 billion indebtedness, for Sri Lanka, the creditor confidence, the coming back of creditors as well as the access to capital markets is really key. Now, let's also get a perspective from the ground with Hindus, the Hindus correspondent, Meera Srinivasan in Colombo. Uh, she'd really covered the protests. You'd watched her own worldview. And all that has happened since then. Speaking to Meera, I actually asked her earlier, one year since the protests, political turmoil, deep despair over Sri Lanka. Just how much has now changed a year later for ordinary Sri Lankans who are out there on the streets? Indeed, Suhasini, uh, I'm outside the presidential secretariat where we witnessed dramatic scenes in July last year. And it's been a year since pocket protests started in Sri Lanka. But at this point, the government believes things are looking up with uh, the IMF's uh, promised $2.9 billion package coming within touching distance after China recently gave financing assurances. All the same, we're seeing a new wave of protests 
by unions and students who say that the cost of living is still very high and economic distress prevails and uh, we've seen that uh, taxes have increased and utility bills have been increased threefold and people are saying it's very hard to make ends meet and there is also some concern about repression and the right to protest as things get very hard for the ordinary sri lankan in a speech on women's day uh, president vikramasinghe actually thanked three women in particular nirmala sitaraman the finance minister of india janet yellen from the us and kristalina georgieva from the imf for helping sri lanka out there was a notable absence of china it seemed is there some unhappiness with the time the china has taken uh, to help sri lanka to give those guarantees yes the president made that speech on women's day and interestingly sri lankan cartoonists have highlighted the absence of sri lankan women on that list because they point to uh, women who are central to sri lanka's foreign exchange earnings be it those uh, employed in the tea estate sector or the garment factories or those employed as domestic laborers abroad and sending in remittances so that was some interesting commentary coming in after the president's speech on the question of china i think earlier there was a little bit of concern that it was taking longer than sri lanka would have liked to obtain china's uh, financing assurances especially since india and japan as part of the paris club wrote to the imf earlier this year but once that came through recently all leaders in sri lanka including those in opposition have been quick to thank china and they have said that they look forward to having talks with all three major bilateral creditors china japan and india to restructure the debt and mira in his interview to the hindu minister sabri actually said that india rescued sri lanka and is looking now for more investments from india which are the areas that you really expect to see this kind of investment coming in in the many ongoing conversations about sri lanka's economic recovery after last year's financial crash we see a lot of emphasis on foreign direct investments the government seems to believe that it's going to be crucial for sri lanka's economic recovery as far as india is concerned whether it's in bilateral government to government talks or in discussions with the private sector it pharmaceutical energy sector and education have been identified as some possible areas for indian investment and sri lanka says they are looking forward to welcoming such investment from india so the identified areas are it pharmaceuticals energy education that's meera shrinivasan there from uh, the hindu in colombo now another issue between the two countries a possible problem Uh, that emerged this year has been the controversy over adani projects in sri lanka two big ones were awarded to the port to airports infrastructure company over the past few years one was the wind energy project the 442 million dollar project for two wind power plants in mannar and punarin these are areas of northern sri lanka uh, they are expected to generate eventually about 350 megawatts of power if it all works out Uh, the other is a 700 million dollar contract to build a west container terminal at colombo port uh, this will have an eventual capacity of 3.5 million uh, units what are called teus a capacity terminal now while the opposition actually both in in india and in sri lanka has raised issues of the manner in which the company was chosen uh, which some officials had actually said was due to direct intervention from the prime minister's office in delhi Another issue then became the dramatic drop in share value after the Hindenburg report came out in January. So here is what Sri Lankan Foreign Minister Sabri said about the perception 
that the Adani group was picked due to New Delhi's pressure. We were uh, keen, an Indian investor to come in. So who is the Indian investment uh, investor for the Indian government and, and the authorities to decide and choose and send it to us? And then we will have our own feasibility and fact-finding. And if we are happy, we will take it. So that's how all over the world it's happening. So we are happy and we, we have no complaint uh, so far because they are investing. They are going on with the project. And they have been successful both in India and in the region. So why not? A big name like that comes in. And there are a lot of other countries and other companies could be envious of them. And, and we really don't know. But for us, there is absolutely nothing to worry because it's a transparent process and a garment-to-garment -garment kind of a project. Those are significant words. The MEA, remember, Ministry of External Affairs, has so far only said it was a private deal between the two and not a government-to-government -government project. So some play between the joints over there, some differences between the two. Finally, here is Minister Sabi's answer to the question on how Sri Lanka can now balance its ties with China to India's satisfaction. Yeah, I think uh, it's a complex relationship because naturally Sri Lanka also been a very close friend of India. Uh, doesn't want to do anything which hurts the Indian legitimate sentiments of security concerns. You know. But in the meantime, we also need to understand that we need to work with everybody. Your biggest partner is also, despite all your problems, is China. So no, you still work with them, the Indian. So similarly, we also want to work with India uh, and, and the Chinese and the West and everybody. But in the meantime, any legitimate security concerns of India, we will find a way to discuss with them, collaborate with them, and identify with them, and, and not to repeat any, any concerns which we could be. But in the meantime, we also want to ensure the freedom of movement in the Indian Ocean for everybody's better. Clearly much warmth for India there now. Sri Lanka's reversal of some of the dire trends of last year is certainly positive for the country. It's also a good example for the entire region and for India that has kept its promise as a good neighbor by delivering help when it was needed in a timely and generous manner without really standing on ceremony. Eventually, it isn't about outspending the rivals in India's neighborhood, including China, but being more sensitive to a neighbor's needs. Let's get you some reading recommendations here of Worldview uh, for you. First, a few books on Sri Lanka, and of course, I've given you some in the past, so I'm just going to add to those. One is The Conundrum of an Island, Sri Lanka's Geopolitical Challenges. This is a recent book by Asanga Abaya Gunasekara. There's also China in Sri Lanka, 2013. Now, this is a 2013 book by Atanayake Chulani, and uh, this is an author who has written quite a lot of papers on the subject as well. In fact, one of her papers comes in this book, Navigating India-China Rivalry, Perspectives from South Asia. It's edited by C. Rajamohan and Chan Jia Hao. Uh, and in fact, it has an essay by me on the Bhutan question, but many important essays on Sri Lanka, on China's inroads in the region. Then there is the China Factor, Beijing's Exploring Engagement in Sri Lanka, Maldives, Bangladesh and Myanmar. Uh, by Shantanu Roy Chaudhary. Uh, there are a few books on economic crises around the world as well, particularly the role of the IMF uh, and what are called the Bretton Woods uh, institutions. One called Three Days at Camp David by Jeffrey E. Garden. Now, this is uh, really a classic. It's come out more recently, but it tells you all you need to know about how these Bretton Woods institutions really came about and how America changed the course, really, of international public finance in that one meeting with President Nixon. Another book you might find interesting called Boom and Bust, A Global History of Financial Bubbles by William Quinn and John Turner. 
This is pure history, financial history about some of those big bubbles. It does not include Sri Lanka. Another book which you may have heard of called Why Nations Fail, The Origins of Power, Prosperity and Poverty by Darren Asimaglu and James Robinson. This is supposed to be a classic. And finally, there is a book called Fixing Failed States, a framework for rebuilding a fractured world. Uh, now, this is a book not so heard of because its author went into a little bit of disrepute after what happened in Afghanistan. This is former President Ashraf Ghani, but he wrote this in a previous role in Washington, along with Claire Lockhart. And it is actually fairly easy to read. It gives you a primer, really, on how smaller countries, particularly uh, that are in crises, can be brought around. We hope you enjoy these, and we hope you do join us next week for our 100th episode of Worldview from the team. Thanks for watching.